This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to the Double Feature Movie Podcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Jonathan Roberts, and I'm joined by the new papers, Jim and So. Hello. Hello. Two things this week. First one, Rambo, he's back. Hurrah. Uh, Trailer hmm. dropped yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Last Blood, which, of course, you know. Beca- for, wasn't it what, First Blood? The first, first one is called First Blood. So this one, are we seeing the final Rambo? It seems to be. He teases a lot of these kind of like, this is my last one ever kind of things going on. He's how old now? How old? 72. 72. Not bad for 72. Yeah, he actually, looks fine he's, he's, he looks pretty 72. good, actually. A lot of people looking quite good for 70-something. But yeah, this is called Lam- Lambo. <laughs> Rambo, Last Blood. So the trailer's dropped. It looks kind of not as violent as Rambo, which was the last one, oh. which is essentially Rambo 4. And that was 11 years ago. Has it been that long? It was. Back then, he was set. He was some kind of boat guy in Thailand going into Burma, Myanmar, whichever it was back at the time. Mm. Extremely violent. Bodies exploding with blood, throats ripped out in front yeah. of your eyes, violent. This one just seems a bit more action than well, anything else. For newer audiences? Could be. But it says he's got to confront his past and unearth ruthless combat skills, it says here. Unearth his ruthless combat skills. Isn't which he ruthless with. in the first place? He's, I didn't know they earthed his combat skills. It looks a bit kind of like Tex-Mex cartels coming after him kind of thing. Sicario? A bit Sicario. I'd also say a bit... Well, so, well so he's, Arnold's he's, one of Arnold's comeback films was called The Last Stand, in which he's yep, a sheriff on a yep, yep. on the border against the Mexican cartels. So yeah, it seems a bit of that. So he's in urban jungle now. Does uh, he still have his red bandana? No, no. <laughs> it, it, he he's got the knife though. I don't know. We'll have to see how this works. He, I mean, he's he was brilliant in Creed too. Yeah, I think he he's good brilliant. at playing at his age. So. But he's still meant to be like super efficient soldier here. That, you know, uh, I don't know how convincing he can be. Well, we'll see. Okay, the big film. The big film. Godzilla. Godzilla, King of Monsters. Or Godzilla 2, King of Monsters, depending on which particular territory you're in. So you've watched it. How is it? Yeah. <laughs> That's not my impression of a Godzilla cry, but you were so excited for I it. I was. No, I'm a huge fan of Godzilla. I love the concept. I've got loads of little Godzilla toys and stuff, toys, statuettes, if you don't mind. <laughs> it's a great concept. It's very hard to actually do a proper monster movie. I think, unless you go completely fun with it, I think it's a bit too. Did it try big. to get serious, like? Well, the first one was pretty serious. The mm. first one took oh, quite a long while for Godzilla to actually turn up. Yep. This one kind of learns its lessons. It learns its lesson in that Godzilla turns up a lot earlier and there's a lot more monster action from the start. Mm-hmm. But it also fails to do a very key thing, which is realize that we're not here for family drama. <laughs> and there is way too much to this soap opera family drama thing. And it's not even done well. I should say, I still kind of enjoyed it, but this is as a Godzilla fan. There's a really good movie hidden in there somewhere. <laughs> but it feels so, I don't know, it It feels a bit first draft-like. 
Oh, really? The, the lines are not that good. But you have great actors in it. Oh, it's packed. Yeah. It is packed. You have, mm-hmm. uh, for a list rundown, you have Kyle Chandler, uh, Vera Farmiga, Millie Bobby Brown, Ken Watanabe, of course. Yes. We'll only refer to the monster as Gojira, not Godzilla. Must Always be original. Gojira. Uh, we have Chang Ji in a bizarre role in that she suddenly becomes twins halfway through for yeah. five minutes for no particular reason. Um, China market, that's the reason. You've also got uh, Bradley Whitford, Sally Hawkins, who was in the first one, Charles Dance who is fantastic, Thomas Middleditch from Silicon Valley, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Ice Cube's boy, mm-hmm. David Strathern, oh. for, who was also in the first one. All the humans do a lot of standing around in boardrooms, discussing, exp- expositioning all over the place. Does Ken Watanabe have a bigger role, or he's just going he around? Does, he does have a bigger role in this. I really like Ken Watanabe, but it's, it's such a pity that he's like he's become a token Asian, a token Japanese, like Hiroyuki Sanada in Endgame. We need somebody Japanese. Who do we yeah. get? Is Ken Watanabe free? Oh, no, it's, let's get Hiroki in. Yeah, but I guess this one is because maybe Ken Watanabe was in the first Godzilla. Well, he seems to be a fan of this thing as well. Yeah. He seems to have had some, quite rightfully, some kind of national pride in the project. <laughs> so why not get involved? Yeah. So the family drama thing is that Vera Farmiga is... Now, the ex-wife of Kyle Chandler, they were caught up in San Francisco in the first film. Mm. They lost a child. It's heavily hinted at. There's a breakup, at which point Millie Bobby Brown is in an email relationship only with her dad, of which mom doesn't seem to approve. Anyway, they're part of this monarch thing, Mm -hmm. who are like the monster monitors of the world. So monarch was in the first film and... The Kong Skull Island. Yeah, that's what I thought. Why is that so familiar? Yeah. That's the Tom Hiddleston... Kong, yes, right? Yep. The Tom Hiddleston Kong. The the next one after this is Kong versus Godzilla, or Godzilla versus Kong, one of those. Yes. Yeah. So there is kind of like divorce drama in this. So the relationship between Cal Chandler and Vera Famiga is so cliche. And which is why it feels like first draft because when Cal Chandler's describing what the relationship Oh yeah, I got out of line, I started drinking. I was like, I know what you're gonna say before you're saying it. It was so cliche of and it just didn't work. Also, I mean, in terms of the humans, there's just way too many actors in this for what it is. It doesn't need that many. And the problem is, is that both Bradley Whitford and Thomas Middleditch, and to some extent O'Shea Jackson Jr., are just there to provide zingers. There's way too many people doing zingers. And it feels at some points like there must have been squabbles on set about who gets the final zinger in. (laughs) Because something happens, and they're not particularly inventive, singers but it's all in the lines of well that happened well that's not good well oh look at that over there it and well, everyone's got to just add a zinger on and you think if you're gonna play it seriously go for serious <laughs> don't keep on adding these supposedly light moments of really poorly done just could you just say i'll have what she's having so <sighs> it would be a better movie if it's less humans and more creatures more monsters Fewer humans. Uh, I think the amount of monsters is about right because a whole bunch turn up in this. 17 are released. Really? There's loads of monsters <laughs> awakened all over the world. Vera Famiga is with the monarch thing and she has this special thing. They awaken Mothra. Oh, yeah, that's the other joke. They should subtitle this film, How I Met Your Mothra. 
Yeah. Yeah, so Vera Famiga has got this special device uh, that emulates the sound of an alpha monster. So when they awaken Mothra in the some jungle of mm-hmm. China, Mothra is about to go, you know, it's in the pupa stage. It's like still a big worm, not the big butterfly thing. And it uh, starts going raging. It's like a, Mothra is a big butterfly, yeah. right? So it feels there's, very, it's there's very a few similar, stages. though. It's like you've seen it somewhere before. Yeah, but I mean, I think these things are kind of ingrained yeah. in this kind of your your pop culture mind. Yeah, that's right, probably. Yeah. So she's able to use this device that will send signals out, and it'll be like an alpha creature that will then placate the oh. monsters, and they can control them. And they think, ah, nice. Then suddenly Charles Dance turns up with his bad boys and kidnaps Vera Farmiga, at which point... The monarch people say, oh, no, Charles Dance, the famous eco-terrorist who's been trafficking in kaiju (laughs) parts or whatever, because, you know, everyone wants the kaiju DNA. So he runs off with her, and then he says, oh, let's get Cal Chandler in, because he's been off in the wild. (laughs) Former monarch guy. They bring him in, and he knows about how the animals are tracking. Then that's where it gets interesting. There's a kind of twist in the film that I'm going to reveal now, because (laughs) it was revealed... In the teaser trailer about 10 months back, which I find very surprising, which is also why this film feels a bit of a mess. As say, or what, which script are they going with? I don't know how they write these things, but I think it's like they have multiple versions that could happen. And they cut and paste. They cut and paste <laughs> and edit to a particular story that they choose later on. Anyway, so it turns out that Vera Farmiga was not kidnapped at all. She arranged for Charles Dance to extract her from this thing, along with her daughter, because she is a bit of a Thanos in that she feels that humanity has gone too far. If humanity is not subdued in some way, it's the end of everything. So awakening all these big monsters will help balance things out. Mm. And that monarch has enough underground bunkers for enough people to go underground and then come out later and say, hey, repopulate the Earth. So basically, she wants to unleash all the monsters to destroy as much of the human population as possible and then balance things out. And apparently she's not completely nuts with this. She has a redemptive moment later on to say, oh, yeah, that would be bad, wouldn't it? (laughs) Or, oops, I didn't mean to, sorry. So, which is a bit odd. So Godzilla comes out and saves the day. Pretty much. I mean, the big thing is that they have uh, unleashed this thing called Monster Zero or Ghidorah, the three-headed dragon kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That is, of course, they say, oh, it's been a myth all the time. And so it's like the Hydra, George and the Dragon. Oh, okay. all these, yeah. Everything, every myth with a dragon has apparently been Ghidorah from back in the day. And, of course, there's cave paintings that are, you know, show Godzilla fighting Ghidorah because these are the two alphas oh. and they fight. Now, when it gets to the monster stuff, that's all right. It's pretty good. It gets a lot more entertaining that way. But that's what it's supposed to be, isn't it? It's supposed to be a creature feature? Well, yeah. You'd think they'd just remember what fun is (laughs) and just get on with it. I mean, there's some really nice bits. There's a bit where um, they have this underwater base. You see Godzilla coming through the deep, dark murk. And each time is... He has this kind of humming sound when he powers up. <laughs> and you just see his, his back fins lighting up underwater. And you think, yeah, that's what I've come for. These amazing moments where, you know, Godzilla's swimming up 
like a huge predatory creature coming up to, you know, face off against the humans. And later on, you know, he, he gets more superpowered. And there's a bit of nonsense with superpower weapons turn up and they're never mentioned again, or why particularly this one is able to kill them, but then he can get revived by a nuke later. It really needs a kind of Fast and Furious version where <laughs> you know it's nonsense, but everything has enough charm to carry it off. And I think if they focused on Charles Dance more, who is utterly brilliant in this, he has a complete disdain for what's going on, <laughs> just as a character and possibly the actor as well. <laughs> like, oh, well what am I doing here? It's kind of, Yeah, it's kind of like, <laughs> well, shall we just get on with this then? <laughs> or, you know, in his wonderful fruity way, you know, is it, if you ever saw him as Tywin Lannister, it's, it's basically that. And he's just one of those guys that can read the phone book and you just go that's the best story I've ever heard <laughs> he's too old for Hollywood no he's that's not that's why he's not I think he's probably younger than Sylvester Stallone <laughs> but he'd be great and I think yeah so it's kind of muddled I think he thinks it's a lot more famous than it is there's kind of like references to old stuff where hey you'll remember this from the first film when actually no nobody remembers it from the first film and considering they've had years to put this together I'm surprised it's so flimsy but the next one is going to be Kong yeah I'm curious to see how Kong versus Godzilla both are supposed to be I I worry about this thing good guys Oh, it's, it's like Batman versus Superman, isn't it? Yeah. I'm sure there's going to be some other oh, a big, big one. bad yeah, yeah, thing big that bad comes thing. out yes. from <laughs> space or something because they do mention aliens in this as well. Oh. It has to be a lot more fun. And I worry with this kind of thing that because the reviews for this are very mixed. I mean, this is a mixed review. I kind of like it, but there's a lot wrong with it. Yeah, how would you rate this? Uh, <laughs> for the TMP rating of out of five, I think I'm going with... If it was really generous, I'd say 2.5. If it was really generous, I think it's more of a 2. Mm-hmm. In that it's fun, it would definitely pass the time. Uh, but I think you uh, you really have to lose your your brain to <laughs> How long it. is the movie? It feels very long. It's like over two hours as well. But some of the effects are really good. I say some of the effects. The monster effects are really good. It, it feels similar to Avengers Endgame where Thanos is still amazing looking, but then some of the other CGI mm, feels a bit... Mm. Eh. Same here. Okay. Godzilla is just amazingly good. Then when it cuts to like the ships and the helicopters and stuff, you just think, no, this feels like a video game. And, uh, they've tried to cover it up by having everything being rain-lashed and you know water everywhere. Yeah, and kind in of, the dark. It's, and like, it's all in the yeah. semi-dark and stuff, which is like... Uh, okay, yeah, we know what you're trying to say. <laughs> Try to hide the seams, but... I so, the big question is, will you watch it again? Would <laughs> I watch it again at the cinema? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, it's flawed, but it's... Uh, They're redeeming terrible. factors. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not utterly terrible. I, I wouldn't say, oh, it's the worst film ever. It's just really disappointing really I think it's a difficult job I think anyone who's going into trying to create a Godzilla film for a modern western market either embraces a kind of fast and furious logic out of the window kind of logic out of the window but just fun and that is where we'll leave it Joanne thank you for joining me you're welcome 
and thank you you for listening and if you're listening on iTunes, Google Podcast or Spotify do rate, like, review us every little helps and until another double feature next time goodbye see you that was an SPH podcast find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and streaming on Google Home do send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg you can also check out more podcasts on various topics at straightscience.com and bt.sg